So why don't you open up your Bibles one final time to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. All summer we have been soaking in a series around the fruit of the Spirit. And we have been examining, studying this list of nine character traits that the Apostle Paul offers at the end of his letter to the churches of ancient Galatia. So if you haven't been with us, or I know summer is the season where many people are coming and going throughout the summer months, uh, we are going to bring the series to a close. Tonight's the last, uh, the, the last week in this series. Here's what the Apostle Paul has to say in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Sometimes it's easy to read through those and fly through those. We don't think about what's being said here. This is really beautiful, transformative stuff. The fruit of the Spirit is the very character of God being born in and worked out in the life of his people. It's pretty crazy to think that God would actually desire the very life of Jesus to be formed in you. Because Jesus is, he is this. This is Jesus. This is the character of God. And we want to know what God is like. We're told, look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus is love and joy and peace. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is good and he's faithful and he's gentle. So the mind-blowing offer of the gospel is not just that God wants to take you somewhere after you die. And that is mind-blowing our hope for eternity. But what's more mind-blowing, I think, to me is that God is also concerned about the person that you are today. God is concerned about the person you're becoming today. God is concerned about how you live. He's concerned about your character. He's He's concerned about seeing his life and his love and his on down the line in you, in us. The offer of his saving power and love is that we would actually be able to change. So again, Galatians 5, this list of the fruit of the Spirit, it shows up in context with another list that he gives right before this. It's called the works of the flesh. I won't name all those, but we, we hear of these. Galatians 5 talks about idolatry and sexual immorality and jealousy and strife and fits of anger. The good news of the gospel is that through the finished work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can change. You don't have to live that way. You aren't condemned to stay stuck there. We don't have to live according to the works of the flesh, but we can begin to live the God life here and now. We can begin to live a life that is in line with the kingdom of heaven. That you and I have this offer to live, next slide, love in a world of fear, joy in a world of discontent, 
peace in a world that is fractured. And we're, we're feeling this so much these days. Patience in a world of instant gratification. Kindness in a world that just rages on each other. Goodness in a cruel world. Gentleness in a world of hostility. Faithfulness in a world of infidelity. Self-control in a world that just says, whatever you want, go get it. The very life and character of Jesus in us is a counter-cultural way to live. It's good news. It's a great invitation. And so I hope this summer has been helpful for you to think through, to wrestle through these character traits differently. Not just, as we've tried to maybe emphasize each week, not just as a self-improvement project. I know one of the weeks we talked about Ben Franklin and his kind of self-improvement projects, and he makes the grid and the chart, and he lists off the virtue, and he puts different check marks on how he did that week. That's not what this is about. This is not just a self-improvement project, but this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit It's what God wants to grow in the soil of your soul. And Megan, last week, she preached so wonderfully on the last of the nine. She preached on the fruit of self-control, tying this idea of self-control to a God who knows when to say enough. But before we just kind of pack it in, we sometimes do this in church. We're like, okay, fruit of the Spirit's done. What's next? And there is a next. We will move on into a new series next week. We will start the book of Colossians for the rest of the fall. I am super excited for that. But before we just move on and kind of put fruit of the Spirit away, I wanted to spend this last week, one more night, before we lose sight of this, to have a few more thoughts, a few more reflections. So, as has been noted already tonight, Today is my birthday. So you didn't know, but you all got welcome to my birthday party. My 45th birthday party. I always dreamed it would be this way. Uh, and also two weeks ago on, yeah, Sunday, two weeks ago was my anniversary. So 23 years of marriage. So I had my anniversary and my birthday with you all. And maybe it has to do with hitting halfway to 90, which is the way my dad has phrased this to me. Welcome to halfway to 90. But I'm starting to do old man things now. Uh, maybe I've started for a while. My kids tell me that. But I've, I've started to say, man, I wish someone would have warned me. As I approach midlife, I wish someone would have warned me. I know I'm not that old, but I'm not young anymore. I wish someone would have warned me when I was a young parent that the days are really long but the years go quick. Sometimes you think you're in those long, long days that you're going to have forever with your kids, but you don't, and it goes really fast, as I now have older teenagers. I wish someone would have warned me that ballet shoes are so expensive. (laughs) No one told, I had my daughter danced as a ballerina for years. No one told me when we first started, oh, that's cute, honey. Those ballet shoes, those point shoes, you have to replace them every month. And they're like $100. Like, no one told me that when they were little and cute. I wish someone would have warned me. I wish someone would have warned me when I became a Chicago Bears fan in the 80s that it would have been 30 years of agony. 
think you catch my drift. But warnings can be helpful. And so as we end this Fruit of the Spirit series, I want you to realize that the fruit of the Spirit comes with warnings. Good warnings. Helpful warnings. So as a pastor, as a preacher, I want to share a couple warnings about the fruit of the Spirit with you. Here, here are the two warnings I want to give you. Fruit-bearing, so this conversation around the fruit of the Spirit, fruit-bearing will take far more time, and fruit-bearing will take further inspection. Fruit-bearing will take far more time than you think. Or to put it another way, it's going to take a whole lot longer than you think to see the fruit of the Spirit show up in full in your life. Because that's the nature of fruit. I celebrate the instantaneous work of God. And I've experienced there's times and places where God breaks in. The Holy Spirit moves. Conversions can happen in a moment of faith and grace. Spiritual gifts can be bestowed and activated in a moment. And I celebrate that. The fruit of the Spirit will take a lifetime to come to harvest. And as impatient American people, we don't like to wait. We have an Instapot faith and a microwave Christianity that wants that to happen overnight. But that's not the nature of fruit. So flipping your Bibles from Galatians 5 over to James 5. Got a couple passages to throw at you tonight. James 5, verse 7, James writes and says, Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And of course, in the context here, James is talking about the return of the Lord. He's talking about having patience for the second coming. But then he uses this analogy and he talks about, this is like Farmer James giving an agricultural uh, analogy here. And he talks about, he notes and ties this to the idea of how farmers go about their business. He says, you know that when farmers are raising their crops, growing their crops, doing their work, they must wait for the early rains and the late rains rains because growing fruit is an exercise in patience and so whether it's talking about the soil of the earth or the soil of your soul the same holds true as the holy spirit wants to bear fruit in you it will probably take a little longer than you think far more time the other day, I heard on the radio, someone was talking about an actual study that was done on road trips and kids and meltdowns. And so some scientific study, this is Dr. James Hind from Nottingham Trent University. He has created a mathematical formula for you as a parent to figure out when your kids will melt down on your road trip. So here's his formula. I'm not making this up. So his formula, the time, is he says on average it takes a kid 70 minutes to melt down on your road trip. So maybe keep your road trip under 70 minutes. But then he goes on and says, 
that for every minute that the child is entertained, it reduces the likelihood of their meltdown. Also, he says, the F is for food, that uh, while you have food, it allows you to postpone the tantrum for 15 more minutes. But then the presence of siblings in the car, for every sibling in the car, it was found to increase the likelihood of the tantrum by 10 minutes. So here's the formula to figure out how long of a road trip or how long till the meltdown happens in your road trip. But then he went on to say that in the study, again, he surveyed 2,000 parents, he says the kids will start saying, are we there yet, on average, 32 minutes into the trip. And then they'll repeat it at least four times on average for the rest of the time. Kids asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And whether you're talking about kids on a road trip, farmers in the field, people trying to experience the God life within them, their character being formed to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I guess just the warning in this process, we are in this for the long haul. And it's probably going to take a little longer than you think. You may be tempted to ask God, are we there yet? Is it happening yet? Am I more loving yet? Is the patience there yet? Am I gentle yet? Am I kind yet? Are we there yet? I brought in a couple plants to show my, um, yeah, my, my skills here. Here's the nature of growing things. How many people grow stuff? Anyone here grow things? Well, garden, little planters, Flowers, fruit. I don't know if you can see this without me spilling it. Can you see that? What do you see? Dirt. Dirt. In a pot, thank you. Dirt in a pot. So here's the thing about growing stuff. I've got seeds in here. You don't know what's in there. You don't know how long it's been in there. You want to watch it grow? Right now, we are watching it grow. (laughs) Thrilling, right? This is riveting stuff. It's reminders. It takes a long time. How long have you been following Jesus? Some maybe days, some maybe weeks, some maybe months, some maybe years. going to take longer than you think and are you willing to say okay god i'm here you've got all of me and i want to see your life grow in me the fruit grow in me and it's going to go through cycles and it's going to go through seasons and there's going to be times where you say like god all i see is a bunch of dirt there's stuff happening beneath the surface there's stuff happening that you don't understand That's the first warning. has to do with time. Second warning. Fruit bearing will take further inspection. So I'm going to lean on the words of Jesus for this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus says, Matthew 7, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Is there a next one? That's it, okay. So here we have Jesus' words, and he's speaking about false prophets, right? He's speaking about false prophets, and eventually he'll come to speak about false believers. It's interesting here to hear his words. He, He reminds us and explains to us that not everything is as it appears on the outside, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I need to back up. I don't think I read enough that I want to read. Yeah. Let me back up to verse 15. Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits." And then it goes on, verse 21, which I do want to read too. I'll read it again as as it flows from here. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So again, really interesting two passages put together. And again, verse 15 through verse 20, Jesus is warning here about false prophets. He's warning that they will come into the church, those who look like sheep, but are actually ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. And again, reminding us that not everything looks as it appears. And so in trying to figure out what is actually going on, you can be deceived by appearances, He says what? Look at their fruit. By their fruit you will know them. Healthy trees bear good fruit. Diseased trees can't bear bad fruit. Excuse me. Healthy trees bear good fruit. Diseased trees bear bad fruit. Healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Diseased trees cannot bear good fruit. So along this line, Jesus says, and he calls for fruit checks. He calls for the need of further examination. He says, yeah, there may be wolves in sheep's clothing, but you will know them by their fruit. So there's a need to examine the fruit of someone's life, which then leads to the next section, which reminds us that we have to be careful then in the way that we examine people's fruit, because I would say oftentimes, like, okay, I know there are wolves, so let's look at their fruit, but then the fruit that we want to look at isn't maybe the fruit that we should be looking at. 
Because we get enamored by exteriors. We get enamored by the show. We get enamored by the spectacular. And these words here from Jesus, especially verse 21, 22, and 23, they're sobering. These are the chilling words of Jesus where he says, not everyone who cries out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father. And there's going to be this day where we kind of have this cognitive dissonance saying, wait a minute. And there will be those who say, Lord, Lord, again, they get the name right, and saying, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast demons out in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And those are the things, if we were tending to do fruit checks, we would be like, well, the one obviously who says, Lord, Lord, and the one who obviously is prophesying, speaking on behalf of God, declaring God's truth, being foretellers and foretellers for God, like, well, of course, that's good fruit. And of course, the one who's casting out demons, that's good fruit. Of course, the one that are doing many mighty works, that's good fruit. And Jesus is like, yeah, actually, on that day, there'll be those that have done those things and don't know me. You slow that track down for a second. Prophecy which is an amazing gift to the body of Christ. Spiritual warfare, casting out demons, which is a a spectacular piece of the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Mighty work sounds like good fruit to me. And Jesus says, ah, but I check fruit a little bit differently. Verse 23, he says, yeah, I never knew you. Watchman Nee once wrote that many have the erroneous notion that capable, clever people are the best endowed ones to be useful to the Lord. How wrong. No matter how clever you are, the outward can never substitute the inward man. And maybe we need reminders here that sometimes the things that we value the most the spectacular, the demonstrable, the extraordinary. They're not always deceiving. Sometimes it's genuine. But they can be deceiving. And it's a reminder that Jesus evaluates fruit differently than we do. And when applied to the conversation of the fruit of the Spirit, is really important and helpful to realize that there is at times a prevalence in fake fruit in the church. And the stuff, we're like, oh, that's got to be God. Jesus at one day may come and say, I don't know you. This is why a conversation, a series about the fruit of the Spirit, it makes it so challenging. It takes far longer than you think. And fruit requires further examination. And there may be some fruit, like, well, of course that's God. Jesus is like, actually, that's not. How do we measure maturity? Jesus calls us to look at the inward person. But even, this is what makes it so hard, even the inward person 
requires further examination. So we sat with the preaching team talking about how do we end this series well? And we thought, well, maybe we should just open it up and and maybe encourage one another by having the body name where they've seen the fruit of the Spirit grow in each other. And we could do that. Like, yeah, I see Randy. I see Heather. I see patience in her and from this experience. I see Ramsey and Nick, and I see goodness and gentleness in him. And, and that could have been helpful, but here's the thing. We talked about the fact that sometimes what you see in other people is just their personality. You guys like my two plants? Beautiful, huh? One of them's fake. Can you tell? <laughs> I'll take fake plants for a thousand, Alex. What is this? Is this is the fake one? Right. This is my orchid. I cut off the stem. It needs a little water. But how, how do you tell if a plant's real? How do you tell if a plant is fake? If we can go to the next slide. <laughs> Sometimes you get the fake fruit of lust or infatuation. Or sometimes you think you're doing something in love when actually you're doing is some sort of self-serving behavior. Sometimes people think it's the fruit of joy when it's just like peppiness or happiness, which fades and doesn't last. It's not rooted in the real thing. Peace. We talked about this when we went through this series. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm a person of peace. I don't have very much conflict. That's because you're conflict avoidant and you're being passive. That's not the fruit of the spirit of peace. Patience. Oh, you're so patient. Well, you don't actually know what's happening on the inside of me right now. I'm getting angry and I'm being passive aggressive. That person, so kind. Uh, to your face. (laughs) Wait till they get to the car. What do they say behind your back? Goodness can show up. (laughs) That person is just so good. They're just quiet. And they don't make many moves to be seen. It's it's coping mechanism from their family of origin. Oh, they're so good. Sometimes faithfulness is the fake fruit of just, I don't want to risk anything. So I'm just going to stay put. (laughs) and not try something new. You're so faithful, I'm risk averse. Gentleness could be the fake fruit of passivity. Self-control can be the fake fruit of legalistic discipline. I don't mean to discourage you, but we want the real thing. And determining what is actually going on inside of us and what's going on in our community It's not just cheap, fake. It's hard. 
It's beautiful. Fruit bearing takes far more time and further examination. Which is why I don't want to leave you with this series like on a wah wah. Therefore, you, ne- you never know what's happening in everyone's life. I think the best way to experience growth in the fruit of the Spirit is committed community where there is honesty, curiosity, intentionality, and safety. I'm going to say that again. I think that the best way to experience growth in the fruit of the Spirit is in committed community where the Holy Spirit has given so much free reign in our lives that there is honesty, curiosity, intentionality, and safety. I just want to end our series with one story from my life that may help paint the picture for you a little bit more. So many of you were here a few weeks ago when I publicly apologized to our church and to our preaching team and to Ramsey because we did not intentionally pray for him when he preached. And the reason why I apologized was because we have prayed for our, the women who are on our preaching team. And I won't go into the fullness of that apology. If you want to go back and watch it from a few weeks ago, I explained it more. But what happened in that by not praying for Ramsey and praying for the women who are on our preaching team is that my omission in that sends a mixed message and it sets a double standard that we don't want to communicate about the men and the women who preach on our preaching team. But the reason why I apologize to our church about that, I can pull back the curtain a little bit and give a little bit of backstory. Here's how I got there. So that happened on a Sunday that I was gone. I was not part of it. And a few days after that Sunday, it was on Tuesday, that happened on a Sunday. On Tuesday, two days later, one of the members of our preaching team, Anita, she texted me Tuesday morning and she said that she had been hurt watching how that went down on our gathering on that Sunday. And she asked if we could talk about it. So as soon as she sent that text to me, I realized what I had done. I realized, oh yeah, I forgot to have someone go do that. And I felt bad. And I texted her back as soon as possible and said, hey, can we talk now? So we talked on the phone, and I apologized to her for not scheduling that, and as I was talking to her, I explained how busy I was, how crazy of a weekend I had. That weekend, I flew down to San Diego, and I was officiating my nephew's wedding in San Diego, and I was out of town. I explained to her how crazy hard it was for us to find people to fill all the spots needed. I told her I didn't think that Randy was going to be there, and didn't know that if Kyle would be there or not, our elders. And so I went on and on about the craziness of the weekend. I apologized for not doing it, and then I ended the call. A few minutes later. Apologies are good things, aren't they? So a few days later, so that's things happen Sunday, Tuesday she texts me, we talk on the phone. I was having lunch with Randy about something else. And as Randy and I were walking to the restaurant to have lunch that day, Randy, he's like, hey, when you called Anita a few days ago, was there any self-protection going on in you? And my first thought was, no. No, my first thought was, I don't think so. I don't think there's any self-protection. I called her. I apologized to her. 
I said, but I said, let me think about that. Let me pray about that. So then we went on and we had lunch. So then later on that day, when I finally had some time with me and God, I asked God, God, was I being self-protective? And man, there was a lot that came up in that moment. And the Spirit showed me that my initial response when I got that text from Anita of, hey, that hurt me when that happened, my first response inside was, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Someone's mad at me. My first response was, I'm anxious inside of me right now, and let me fix this as quickly as I can, and let me deal with it so I don't have to be anxious anymore. So I'm like, can we talk now? That wasn't just me being proactive, that was me being anxious. And as I apologized to her, I didn't stop and say, hey, Anita, you said that I hurt you, you were hurt when that happened. Can you explain that more to me? I didn't ask any questions. Instead, I assumed why, and I began to talk. I assumed I knew why, and I didn't ask any questions. I explained my reasons, and I didn't listen to her in love. You know why? Because I wanted it over with so I could go on with my day. And then I discovered that the reason why I told her about my crazy weekend and how busy I was and how hard it was to find people to fill all those other things, I was a little bitter, and I was throwing a pity party, and I needed some affirmation about how hard it was for me to find people to do things here at the church. So if I translate this into a story about the fruit of the Spirit, I wasn't loving. I was really craving false peace. My apology that I did give her was more about being called out and getting it over with, and I wasn't patient, I wasn't kind, and there wasn't much self-control in me. And so when I met with Anita later and talked to her, I had to apologize to her again for missing the chance to love her well and listen to her, and that my rambling on about what was hard about that day had a whole lot more to do with me than it had to do with her. And I should have just said, you know what, Anita, I'm sorry, I blew that chance. All of that comes out then when I have a walk with my friend Randy, who says, hey Paul, was there any self-protection going on in your call? You're welcome. Contrary to popular opinion, transformation is not the same as information. Transformation requires information. Because you have to know things to learn things and change in things. But transformation alone will not, or information alone will not automatically result in change. And that little story illustrates in a very small, tiny, imperfect way the need and the value and the beauty of committed community where there is curiosity, honesty, intentionality, and safety. Randy just was walking to lunch and he's like, hey, I've got an idea. He, wasn't, he didn't come with this like hammer behind his back, like, I know you're being self-protective. Let me beat it out of you. No. He was curious. Hey, I was wondering, is that going on in you? And when I didn't say yes right away, he was fine for me to say, let me ask God about that. 
and he trusted the Spirit would speak and convict me. I felt safe. He was curious. I've been learning to do more examination in my own life where I can be honest with God and listen to God. Doing some work, taking the time, doing some examine, giving the Holy Spirit space, time, not cutting things short, intentional conversations, intentional listening, intentionally circling back to confess, intentionally following up, intentionally giving the greater story. There's a lot of freedom and safety to explore that. And so in time, and I'm almost done now, my apology was actually real to the church. My apology was real to Anita. I actually was able to become more loving, more kind, more faithful, more like Jesus, more abounding in a small way, in the fruit of the Spirit. There's a myth going around these days that you can do the Jesus thing on your own. Can't. If the Jesus thing is only about what happens to you when you die, then maybe you can. But Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, which wants to invade our whole life and our whole world. And for the fruit of the Spirit, to come to harvest in us. Over the long haul, we need each other. We need friends who will go for walks and say, hey, do you think any of this is happening in you? We need others to teach us how to deal with our own internal stuff, become more aware of what's happening actually, and not settle for fake, cheap imitations. Who are the people around you that you've invited to help garden in the soil of your soul? What fruit are they beginning to see? What are you wanting to see flourish? And so in curious, honest, intentional and safe ways, Reality Church, may we do our part to allow the Holy Spirit to grow us up into maturity, into fruitfulness in Christ. Let me pray. Lord, this stuff is it's, it's harder <laughs> uh, than just quick answers, easy outs, shortcuts. But I'm so thankful Jesus, you're committed to doing the deep work in us where that change happens from the inside out. And God, we want to be a people in a crazy culture, in a crazy world. We want to be a people of love and a people of joy and peace. Patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We want the full life of Jesus formed in us now and for eternity. So Lord, I pray for those that are here in this room, those that are watching online. Lord, I pray for your good work. Lord, I pray for those who may not know you. Would you draw them by faith to Jesus, the one who alone can save? And would you do a work, O oh God, in us? 
of forming real, genuine kingdom of heaven fruit. May we not get frustrated when all we see is dirt right now. But I'm confident, as you say in your word, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You're faithful. You're the faithful farmer. You're willing to wait for the early and the late rains. May we also. But may we be a kind of people committed to each other to not put up with the fake varieties, God. May we hunger and thirst for the real thing. That's the stuff that satisfies. So Holy Spirit, have your way among us. Form us. Shape us. Grow in us what is good and right and beautiful. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.